0: A lot of fatherless daughters might have a really big survival instinct. So other people look at you and they say, oh, my God, she's so secure and she can solve everything and she will do anything to get something done. And she will always land on her two feet. But deep down, you might have trust issues with the most simple things.
1: Hey guys, welcome to our Solfam podcast where I interview space holders from all over the world. I'm your host, my name is Carolina, and I'm the manifestation mentor. Today on the show we have Jana Herde, the father-daughter relationship coach. Welcome to the show Jana, how are you doing?
0: Thank you, thank you for having me. Also welcome everybody and I'm doing well, thank you. (laughs)
1: Thank you so much for agreeing uh, to be here because it's actually a really exciting topic for me to talk about father-daughter relationships because I have experienced a lot of these issues that you talk about and so I would love love to start and jump straight into these most common father-daughter issues that you see with your clients and also maybe further on how to resolve them, like how to work with these issues. I'm really curious about the top three to five of them that are just the most uh, frequent that you encounter.
0: Mm, Okay. Um, Yes, and it's going to help, I think, everybody, all the listeners to understand um, a little bit more clearly what I do or what problems people come to me with. So, one of the most common clients that I have, this way it's very interesting to describe, is the father who says, look, um, years ago I got divorced. It was a very brutal divorce, custody battle, whatever, you name it, all that comes within that package. And, um, you know, the contact just deteriorated. I ended up um, having very scarce contact or visits with my daughter. And I ended up just staying away because I thought it would be better, it would be less conflict for her. So now I regret that and I don't know how to reconnect with her, how to heal that broken relationship that is one problem that is super super frequent then you have Mm. the fathers like mine as we will talk a little bit i i think about um, my own story later but the fathers who just checked out from the beginning who just stopped parenting at a certain point in time maybe never properly parented maybe they were unmarried or they just never thought they had to be part of their children's lives. so some of them even come to me and say look i regret it i haven't seen my daughter in 10 years in 13 years what do i do now with which sentence uh, do i come do i write a letter do i go to her house um how do i approach this and then i have all the big number of clients who are alienated from their children which is very sad so they actually want to be there they never stopped loving their kids they maybe lived with them and had a day-to-day life until She files for divorce, or he does. Mostly it's her, sadly, in some countries. So, and then they just stop seeing their kids because mom won't co-parent. She will not share the kids with him. So these fathers have a whole different set of of issues. But reconnection is possible in many, many cases. So we work on that.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's sad to hear all of these issues, and yet I feel like it's quite common in our society, it is nowadays, because we are just coming from dysfunction, like we are just brought up in a way that we don't really know how to um, release emotions, how to even speak about emotions, how to speak your truth, so it's really yes. like, yeah, it's heartbreaking to hear, so I would love to just and maybe start with a little bit of your backstory so that people can understand why you became the father-daughter relationship coach. And then we, from there, we can dive deeper into these uh, most common issues and then the resolution of them as well. And like, cause so, you know, if if any fathers out there are hearing this and they are like, oh my God, yes. it is me, please help me. <laughs> like, I wanna, I wanna know how to approach my daughter, for example, that will give them like a step-by-step instruction so that it's easier, yeah. right? So, so how did you become the father-daughter relationship? coach
0: um, well I started um, I started become, to become interested in coaching in general in life coaching so to speak uh, many many years ago and when my daughter was already born um, and I saw myself repeating my pattern because I grew up fatherless myself so my father never was really in the picture I met him a few times that I can could count on the sand In my whole childhood, then he made an attempt to reconnect, which was a total disaster. Then I made an attempt to reconnect as an adult, which had some good results, other negative results. So um, as fatherless daughters, even if it sounds strange to some people, we tend to repeat the patterns and what we've learned. It's unconscious. So it's not that we say, oh, I grew up with a single mom. That's what I want to be, a single mom. So it's not like that. (laughs) But yeah, because some people ask you like, but couldn't you think about it or be more rational or why do you choose this if you know it's bad? The thing is, sometimes you don't know something is worse or not ideal because it was your normal, your normal. So that's what you learn to live with. And you maybe don't see many issues with it until you repeat the pattern. And then you start seeing. So in my case, I had my little daughter and I was divorced. And um, after a few years of co-parenting, as best as we could, my ex-husband got very ill. So he couldn't really be with his daughter physically anymore for a number of years. So I was a single mother basically all the time. My family didn't live close by. So I was on duty pretty much all the time, every day, twenty-four-seven. 7 And, um, And I decided that I needed to work on whatever issues I had, that I needed to do a lot of self-introspection and learning and research and whatever it took to understand what motivated my life choices, because otherwise my daughter maybe would have no choice but to repeat the pattern again, and I didn't want that to happen. So that's when I started to be interested in coaching in general. I took coaching myself, and I had been teaching – Spanish in Germany while living there for many years so I love teaching and adapting the content to the, person's, um, to, to the person's way of learning to everyone. So I seem to be quite good at it and then someday, I can't even explain to you which day it was, people started contacting me asking for advice. Like, oh, I have a daughter, but, you know, I have this situation. Could you help me with that? So I started having more and more fathers always talking about their daughters. I can't explain why, but they seemed to think that I had good guidance for them. So then I started to think about if my father would have had a coach back then to orient him, to tell him how to approach the reconnection. Um, so it wouldn't have been a disaster. Maybe he have learned some stuff to do differently so i would have responded way better what would that coach have taught him so i kind of tried to reverse engineer that process and i came up with quite a few things that i could teach and i started trying i told fathers do you want to try and it worked pretty well so i didn't stop and then i started knowing more about uh, parental alienation because many fathers came and say look i didn't check out i wasn't allowed to parent anymore and then I remembered people that I knew from childhood who had exactly that situation. So it all, um, it all came naturally, so to speak. But um, of course, I didn't have any preconception of what to do in my coaching. So on one hand, it gave me a lot of freedom. And on the other hand, um, it was a, a bit of a struggle because I needed to find out how to do it, what is best. So at some point, I decided to go online because if I'm not online, I cannot help more people. I wanted to reach everybody um, and to also raise awareness because I saw there was nearly no information about certain things. There was nearly no targeted, really tailored help for fathers in these situations. So I said, "Okay, let's do it. I don't know what will happen. And um, yeah, here I am. I never stopped.
1: Wow, that's an amazing story. And I feel like you're the best person to teach about this because you have experienced how it feels to be on the other side of the coin, to actually not have this connection in the way that you would like to. So you are the person who knows like, okay, this is how I would like my father to approach me. So it's just perfect story behind what you're doing. And I feel like in my case, I'm just so happy to talk about this because I'm like, processing let's say the internal also um, relationship with my father and actually a few days ago I decided to stop talking to him for a while because it's just beyond my boundaries of like what he represents with his um, let's say behavior and, and whatever, um, and perspectives as well. It's just so misaligned with me and it's just so active and vivid within me that I feel like so many people just need support and clear instructions. Like, okay, how do I even approach this? Because for men, especially, they are thought to suppress emotions even more than women, right? Because like men don't cry and all these bullshit beliefs that society just puts on us. And so like, how do you coach fathers that just don't know how to even speak to their daughter after years of, like, not seeing her, for example?
0: Um, I actually wrote a little book with all the instructions. It's going to be published in a few days, hopefully. Um, Up until now, I only gave it to my clients, you know, as just a support tool. I had it there on a certain platform so people could download it, like, download the PDF files, but it wasn't a proper book. Um, it still lacked uh, a few things, like a proper introduction, for example. So it was really there to fix, to help you fix. So, um, yeah, and it's interesting you asked exactly that. So it's it's great because that's what people will be able to to buy and read. Um, the first thing I always tell them is that when they feel the need or the desire to, to reconnect with a daughter, and what they want is, of course, for her to be open to talk to them. They want her to trust them. Without trust, you won't be able to start a conversation or to, to, to even go for a walk with a coffee and, and get to know her, you know, so she can get to know you. So I start really from the beginning. Like, where is your daughter? Where does she live? What do you know about her? Which channel of communication is there? Do we have to create one first? Who do you know who might know her or family members involved who might know her? So I really help them map it out like this is a project now that you want to be successful. So we have to approach it almost like a business venture trying to detach yourself from the outcome first. But because I mean, and this works great with men because men are usually fixers. They want it Mm -hmm. simple and practical. What do I need to do? So. It always makes me laugh because some of them say, oh, yeah, I've had a therapist, but it's like, I just want to know what to do. I don't want to know whatever, you know, uh, about trauma or, yeah, yeah, I know. But what do I do now with all that information? So they need you to, to map it out for them in a simple way. And once they see, okay, this is the way I could contact, what do I write now? Many men tell me I'm not good at writing. I'm bad at communication, maybe in general. Others say, no, I'm good at writing, but then I review the messages. Because the way you talk to a daughter who doesn't know you, so you don't come across as awkward or someone who's, I don't know, trying to contact her, is a stranger, you never know. So you need to be very careful in what you write. Um, So we really take it step by step. Um, Second thing that is very important, the more you know about your daughter's reality without you, the better you can help her trust you. So did you know if she grew up only with her mom who was maybe struggling financially? If she had a stepdad, if she has step siblings, um, if she maybe, I don't know, if she enjoys school, if she was bullied in school. I mean, fatherlessness has so many consequences. There are several things that fatherless kids are at a higher risk at or for. So they need to have the information and um, the awareness to understand their daughter's reality otherwise maybe she might respond with anger or with confusion or just be very reluctant and they don't understand it they say why why is she so angry i'm here right so there are several things to take into account one of the main points and if somebody is listening here who really needs this write it down never go there to the first conversation if you really achieved it you know you have a meeting now with her never start with oh yeah I'm here so you can ask me for my story let me tell you my side of things because your daughter is not really interested in the beginning in what your struggles were how bad you felt you were treated she might want to ask you why were you not there and then it's not about excuses it's about really being real and if necessary, if it's true, just say, look, it's true. I, I had the wrong priorities. I made decisions that led to this. Yes, I'm responsible and I'm sorry. So if, you, if you're if you sorry, just say it and be transparent. But don't think the first meeting is there so you can talk about you. Because your daughter is the one who needs to be picked up pretty much where you left her. So I don't know if you maybe even even know this. Part of you is still the little girl who was abandoned. So he will need to click with that and pick you up and be very patient and understand that your emotions might be all over the place and you can't just be friendly like with a stranger. So a lot of patience is needed. And um, there are several more steps, of course, but this is actually in the beginning, I think, um, yeah, a a quite good um, basis (laughs) Mm -hmm. to go from Mm -hmm. For a father who's really in that situation. Like I haven't seen her in eight years. What do I do?
1: Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I resonate with everything that you said so much. And I feel like because uh, just to give you a little backstory to anyone who doesn't know. My father left when I was around two years old. And he was kind of like close and then far and close and far and he tried to maybe come back to us when i was six years old and i was just with my mom and then he finally left um because my stepmother was pregnant with my half brother from my dad's side so then finally my parents split up for for real um but i can resonate with everything that you say because the first thing is like trust and the trust you need to make the other person feel safe, right? And so you need to be the one open to hear what this other person has to say rather than you talking about yourself because otherwise the trust is just broken. And also I feel like what comes up for me when I uh, listen to you is that if I had to give advice to these fathers would be first handle your guilt, because, like, if you're okay with feeling guilty, like, if you accept it that, okay, I screwed up, for example, right? Sometimes it's your fault, sometimes it's not, um, in terms of like your fault, quote unquote, because it's not anyone's fault, really, it's just life. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you really like screw something up and you feel guilty about it. If you can really accept the guilt and like bear it, then it's going to ab- enable you more connection. Because for example, with my dad, I feel like sometimes, and like he loves me, I can feel it. And he did the best he could really. But sometimes I feel like he can't even look in my eyes for more than 30 seconds because the guilt that is suppressed within him subconsciously, right? Because it's not even uh, conscious. There is just the heart wall that it just doesn't allow us to connect on a deep, level because there's just so much suppressed emotion there and then unwillingness to be in this uncomfortability, right? So anytime he would look in my eyes to remind him, okay, I left this person when she was two years old. And then I felt like, you know, anytime I um see him, which is not really often, I feel like there is just a wall. Like I am even coming with unconditional love. And don't get me wrong, the more I work on my daddy issues internally, the better my relationship with my father is. And it has shifted a lot uh, over the years but I feel like this guilt theme is very important because if we can accept it and allow it then we can really approach this from like I'm truly sorry perspective and just really as a father be vulnerable and then in this moment the daughter can really trust because this is the, the vulnerability this is the intimacy this is like okay I screwed up I can bear the guilt I can bear the responsibility of that. And then it builds builds connection. So I just wanted to add to that.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. And, and you know, um, in case it helps anybody listening, I actually coach fatherless daughters too, because they do reach out and they say, look, right now I'm working with a young lady from the States and her father actually agreed to be part of the sessions. So it's amazing because he's very open about how he perceives things she's very open, it's an amazing young lady, she's only 24, she's a teacher, she's incredibly articulate and mindful, and you can see she has an amazing heart, but she just feels that some stuff her father did in her childhood, when he got divorced, then she had step siblings, then she didn't have him anymore, there was a lot of instability, she often felt her dad was unpredictable, so that created a lot of anxiety, but he isn't really aware.
1: Same here. Sometimes,
0: oh, <laughs> yeah, of course, that's very common, right? So... often doesn't know why she gets so defensive and so angry and and she says he doesn't understand where that comes from and here i'm gonna drop the golden nugget here every dad out there until you don't fully understand and i don't mean understanding only in your head i mean understanding internally also with the experience until you don't fully understand what you not being there or doing certain things did to her she's not going to be able to fully open up and there's always going to be a barrier. So you dad need to understand how it made her feel that you were not there or were suddenly there or had an argument with mom or just checked out for some time for some reason. So, and you're totally right. It's not always about blame because in a relationship it takes two. So there is always stuff that I think with time passing, people are often... um, yeah, much softer and less radical about things. When they explain the patent, they say, look, okay, he did this, but I actually did something else that wasn't that good. Or maybe I was a horrible husband because I didn't know how to do it, and she tried her best, but then she had also radical reactions to my behavior. So it, it mostly takes to, of course, if a father entirely checks out, um, it is a choice that he makes. I don't care why, but it's a choice he made. So if he's not able to fully understand what it left you with that he made certain choices and that, of course, maybe he didn't want to hurt you by making the choices, but it did hurt you. The whole scenario wasn't ideal and you were a child that nobody asked for an opinion. The adults mostly make the decisions and the kids are left with, I don't know, just living with it. So the more fathers understand what it did to their daughters, the fact that they were not there or we're only sometimes there and then disappeared the better the daughters can feel supported and it gives them validation because what girls get from dad is validation of course love care protection and you know to tell her you're good enough mm. you know you're my daughter and you're perfect and you're beautiful and you're good and and it's awesome mm. So, so they need to give you the validation, even if it comes years late.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to know, because you mentioned before that people that are fatherless, kind of like me uh, or you, <laughs> uh, they yes. have a higher risk of developing some kind of, let's say, traits or some kind of... Yes. I don't know, like mindset. And I'm just curious to, for you to share because I, I want to see if, I, if it overlaps with how I feel because, you know, I do a lot of internal work as well with myself and with clients and working with inner child and resolving traumas and beliefs. So if you could share some of these risks, I would be super grateful.
0: Um, yeah, of course. Um, this is, by the way, what started to trigger me to do something about my situation because it can affect your whole life to be fatherless and unhealed and not to really be aware of what happened to you or why it affected you a certain way. Um, When I saw the statistics on fatherless upbringing and the consequences it has to not have your father um, in the home, I was pretty shocked about some of them. And with actually a few of them, I, I really felt that it resonated with me. So I started to understand that some stuff wasn't actually my choice or my incompetence, I just couldn't help it. (laughs) And I needed to unlearn certain things. So yes, um, one of the most um, common traits of fatherlessness in women is trust issues. Mm. So you can have a hard time trusting yourself with decisions, have a hard time trusting a romantic partner. That's a man. I don't know with a woman because I mean, I really have to say it. I mean, I don't know how it would work if I I was attracted to women, if that would be the same trust issue. I really don't know. So Mm -hmm. a lot of fatherless daughters might have a really big survival instinct. So other people look at you and they say, oh my God, she's so secure and she can solve everything and she will do anything to get something done. And she will always land on her two feet. But deep down, you might have trust issues with the most simple things. Or not even trust people that they're for real, you know, that they're really going to do what they say they will do. So you're always controlling stuff because you can't trust others to do their part. That is very common. Um, A lack of self-worth is also super common. Um, Things like... uh, choosing partners who might be just as dysfunctional as your family, if really fatherlessness led to dysfunction in the family, because, and that's where the step-parents come in, or the whole environment that is created sometimes. We cannot say that all fatherless children end up suffering from abuse, but the numbers show that there is more abuse, bullying, aggression, whatever, going on in families without biological fathers. So, fatherless kids are more often bullied in school, um, psychologically or physically abused by people because, you know, predators will target kids where there is no father. The protection layer that the father brings is gone. So, Mm -hmm. a lot of the times the boyfriend mom has might not be the healthiest influence for the kids. That really happens a lot. Then you have an increased risk of substance abuse, suffering from anxiety in your teens, depression, suicide attempt. Um, Of course, a higher risk of ending up living in poverty. A lot of single mothers have a problem with really earning an income that is stable. So there is pretty much, um, yeah, it's a big package of of consequences. And of course, not all of us, because people sometimes try to tell me that I'm wrong. And they come on social media and say, so which drugs did you abuse, Yana?" And I say, no, it's not all of us. It's just that the risk is higher of us ending Mm up, um, you know, having these behaviors. I, for example, never had the tendency to, to abuse anything, not coffee, not tea, not cigarettes, not anything. I have a friend who grew up with two parents and somehow she's built this way. I don't know how a scientist would explain it. She gets addicted very easily to everything, to chocolate, to cigarettes, to whatever. She will not only have one drink, she will have 10. You know, when I was young, I had a friend who really was like that. She always said, I just don't know how to control it. I never had the tendency to abuse drugs at all. But I had a lot of trust issues and massive anxiety. I thought it was normal to live with kind of pressure in my chest at all times. And that didn't go away until I was in my mid-30s. And I had done some therapy and some serious work to to even re- retrain my brain and how I process normal thoughts. Mm. So it, it can come with a lot of issues. And in the majority of cases, it does. So every time a fatherless daughter comes along and says, you're wrong, I'm the exception, you start digging a bit deeper and she's not the exception. She's not just fine.
1: Mm, I resonate with literally everything that you said I mean if when I'm working on these daddy issues for the last eight years since I had my you know spiritual awakening and I realized okay I'm not the mind and I, I'm not the emotion and since then I'm working through a lot of layers of powerlessness victimhood not feeling good enough uh, trust issues massive trust issues mostly to myself but also like I feel like yeah just copy pasting it on everything even on the universe yeah. at large or i see as you say like with money for example i perceive it as uh, often with money we copy paste the relationships that we had with our father as well on money so in my case i had to yes. reprogram the pattern that money It was, and I had like full of it, and then wasn't, and I was, and then wasn't, and like kind of like my dad in childhood, right? So I had to like rewire so many of these things. And like, I just really would like to uh, mention here, like, also how to handle these situations when you get triggered, because the thing is that if you still have suppressed emotions about your father leaving, for example, or your father not being there, these emotions are going to come up when you get triggered in your everyday life, because you're going to attract people like partners, for example, or uh, friends or family members that are representing this figure, daddy, in your consciousness, let's say, and then you're going to get triggered by them. So then I'm curious about your perspective, and I'm also happy to share mine, about how to handle this when you're already in this reaction uh, towards you know this this towards your dad really <laughs> but you're con- you're kind of like mm, it's triggered by someone in your daily life although the trigger is like when you were three years old so what would you say to people like how to handle when you're already realizing like okay now i'm in the trauma response now i'm in this anxiety or now i'm in this uh, kind of pattern so how do you deal with it
0: um it really depends on the person I mean, I don't think there is a formula that works exactly the same way for everyone. And also remind uh, the listeners or viewers that I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, so I don't do this type of work. A lot of my Mm -hmm. clients do have therapists or have had them in the past work with both simultaneously. So I can never tell people, look, you need to do this. I will give suggestions, stuff that I think could match with their personality and the way they they operate. So one thing that, for example, helped me with my anxiety big time is um, I work with a neuropsychologist, which is different than a normal counselor or psychologist. So he knew so much more about how your brain works overall. So I remember, and this is something, if you know a professional who does that, go and do it because it, it gives you a graphic image of your brain waves. You put a headset on me. And I could see my brain waves, and he told me, these are the alpha brain waves, these are the theta, and this is blah, blah, blah. So then he did exercises with me. Look, try to concentrate and at the same time relax, which is something most people can't do that easily because they're either concentrated and not relaxed or re- very relaxed and not concentrated. So he showed me in a way, in a graphic way, that I could use my brain in different ways and be totally conscious of the process. So... That is just one thing that you can do if that's something that could help you to have a visual and to have a practice so you understand that you're really in control and you can run the show because mm. as long as anxiety runs you, your history runs you, it's bad. So it's very good to be aware, like you say, oh, I'm, I'm aware right now that something is triggering me and I'm again feeling dizzy in a fright and flight response maybe. I used to have that. I felt like I was going to pass out when mm-hmm. a very, very stressful situation came along or someone was displeased with my performance at work. Oh, I felt horrible. And I would they would tell me, oh my God, you're very pale. Are you okay? And I was like, oh my God, no, I'm not okay. And it was for, for very small things that in my brain it felt like a total disaster that I now was responsible for and maybe couldn't fix and everybody was going to hate me. <laughs> so... I had that response and with time when you meditate more you really should engage in meditation it has so many benefits for your psyche for your body for to reduce stress and anxiety levels um if that's something that works for you practice meditation keep very healthy and fit really in, in you have to because the fitter and healthier you are the better you can deal with whatever comes at you and the more aware you are of your body of how anxiety is affecting you of your breathing so i always take a holistic approach look what choices you're making in your life you don't want to be a victim anymore okay that's perfect you shouldn't you don't have to victimize yourself i was a total victim with four years with a single as a single mom with my daughter i victimized myself so much until i decided i couldn't do that anymore And my therapist told me, what happened to you is something that happened to you. That's not who you are as a person. So you can decide that that's in the past. You've learned it. You don't have to repeat it. But now you can make different choices. So when the anxiety pattern starts, you just take a few breaths and tell yourself, I know this is now my brain doing what it's used to do, but it doesn't have to last. I'll just let it pass and it's fine. So you practice positive self-talk every time these things kick in. And I know mm. it sounds very simple and many viewers might now be rolling their eyes <laughs> at me and say, oh, wow, <laughs> that sounds so simple, but how can I do it? I get panic attacks, you know. But really, I was what, I was looking um, at uh, Dr. Amen's account. Are you familiar with Dr. Amen? No. It's, it's spelled A-M-E-N. He is um, a psychiatrist and specialized in doing brain scans and really telling you how to heal because most of the people you can see it in their brain and there is ways to actually um, heal people even from depression, from high anxiety from many many things but most psychiatrists will never look at your brain so Dr. Amen has an Instagram account he's on Facebook and he gives you very good tips and he also said the first thing you can do when you have an anxiety attack in a certain situation is don't run away from the situation. Just stay there and breathe Mm -hmm. and be conscious about the fact that it's happening. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really last. I can get over it. And next time it's going to be less. And this is, it, it maybe sounds too abstract for some people, but when you're a fatherless child and you have all these things going on, whether it's trust issues or anxiety or, or, Um, just being a control freak sometimes because you can't trust (laughs) some stuff, right? Or that you're not good enough. You know it, which is good. Be aware of it. It's good too. But don't think that it needs to stay with you all the time or that it needs to define you as who you are. So Mm -hmm. we get used to the way we are. And sometimes we get so comfortable, it's even scarier to do something different And not identify with our anxiety maybe anymore and with that Mm -hmm. i really mean sometimes you need shock therapy for yourself get out of your comfort zone say no i don't need to be a victim of certain things anymore i can be different if i want to and it Mm -hmm. might not work the first time you try it but your brain really works with practice and the more you practice relaxation or meditation if that's for you or positive self-talk you breathe correctly You can really reframe. I mean, your brain has neuroplasticity. It can really change the thought patterns. So every time that something triggers you and your brain already knows, like, which buttons to push, so the whole thing starts again. The anxiety, you sweat maybe, you feel horrible. But you can retrain that. But you really need to change your life in a way that it fits what you want to do with yourself. And I don't know if I'm a little bit all, all over the place. I actually know what I mean. Maybe some people don't follow me or think, oh, what does that, that to do with what Carolina was asking? But I really mean it. I mean, you need to look at yourself and see who you want to be. And if you want to stop feeling worthless, okay, you can. But you will have to become the person who can change these things. You cannot stay the person who's a victim and feel sorry for herself or says, well, I'm never going to get rid of these things. You absolutely can. But of course, it might take years. Mm-hmm. And some things might improve incredibly um, quick. And also choose your surroundings very carefully. Who are you spending time with? What are you reading? Who are you allowing to have a relationship with you? And it's very important. You mentioned it. You can attract people that just match with the current um, energy that you have. Um, I say this to some of my clients too. If you keep attracting a person who is very chaotic or all over the place, a person you can't trust, so you always rebuild the relationship you maybe have with your dad, a person that always abandons you. Maybe you had three boyfriends and they all all tended to leave and be very absent in the relationship. That has a reason. Mm -hmm. So find out why you chose them in the first place and see that it's not that opposites attract, actually similar is what attracts. There's something that was the same. So you might need to shift there and be someone else, <laughs> a different jana, who doesn't need to have that experience anymore to understand
1: mm. or to process
0: something. I don't know. I hope I hope I explained well enough. I, I know it's not easy to to follow.
1: Oh, totally. I mean, for me, it's easy because I'm also in this branch. So uh, <laughs> I, I resonate with everything that you're saying. And I have a few things to add to that. Like, yeah, I, I even had the experience recently. I even talked about it on the podcast when I met a man in Costa Rica last year, and he was so similar to my dad in so many ways. that I was like, okay, I know I'm up for the healing ride in here. I'm going to get triggered. All right, bring it on. And I just got so triggered with so many different things with him. But I knew from the beginning, like, okay, he's too similar to my, ba- my dad. I'm just like, yeah. dating him means I'm going to just get triggered all the time. And it was true, but I actually came out of it so much more empowered because I was like, uh, when once he triggered me, I would, how I handle this and any other daddy issue really that I have um, is that when I get triggered, I'm in the emotion and I really go there to the maximum level. As you said, I'm finding comfort in the discomfort. So I'm letting myself feel it to the maximum level and then asking myself when was the first time I felt this way. And then going back to this memory when I got triggered the first time with the same exact feeling and really allowing myself to feel like shit in this memory, like really feeling being hurt by my dad or being abandoned or being rejected or whatever and allowing this emotion to take me over to the degree that i'm accepting it and acceptance is the alchemy is the alchemizing process i also teach it in my uh, training i have a master manifestation yeah. method training and i teach how emotional alchemy is when you can bring the higher vibration of acceptance into the lower vibration of, for example, powerlessness or victimhood or whatever it is, because acceptance is a, is a high frequency. So when you can fully accept, and I mean, allow it and feel it and be with it, then it literally like shifts to the, to the better mood and better frequency when you can fully deeply uh, feel it and feel yes. it. And also I feel like it's important to Like, understand where it's all coming from and understand that it's your inner child. Like, for example, Last week I had a situation where I was uh, hanging out with my best friend and then he told me, okay, I'm going to play like video games for an hour or two more and then we can spend time together. And because my love language is quality time and physical touch, which is what I didn't get from my dad, right? Because we always form love languages for what we didn't have in childhood. Uh, so that's what we need right now. So my my love language is quality time and time is such a sensitive thing to me um, because in my childhood my dad would tell me that he's going to pick me up and then he would come four hours later or not come at all. And it was super frequent. And so I realized after two hours, when he said one to two hours, after two hours, for the first 15 minutes, I felt like, trigger creeping I was like just laughing at it I'm like oh seriously are you gonna get triggered with it again and then after half an hour I was like okay like breathe just like you know don't do anything about it just like breathe with it after 45 minutes it was like you know two hours 45 minutes I was already full-on in a trauma response of I'm the least important thing in the world. I'm I'm his last priority. I'm unworthy. I'm like, you know, completely. And I was just devastated inside. But the important thing is that I understood where it comes from. So I didn't project this shit on my best friend. I was just internally processing it. And when he finally stopped playing video games and came to me to the kitchen, he was actually able to hold me in the emotion because I was not bombarding him with my with my emotions and not blaming him for how i feel and i feel like this is really important when you want to handle the trigger in like a um, let's say more aligned or smooth or peaceful way where you really know that this person that triggers you now is not actually the one that caused the problem that it all stems from your childhood so when you can see it through this lens you can really focus on your internal processing rather than blaming others for how they behave or you know blaming anyone really because like your energy attracted this person or the situation to your life anyway so when you can take full responsibility for how you feel and that it's your energy that you know through the law of attraction or law of mirroring um like attracted this then you can really own your power. And I feel like you can really like be in your most authentic vulnerable self, but also without causing any trouble or conflict for anyone else. So I just wanted to give this example as like a tangible thing to do. Just really like figure out where it comes from, know that it comes from childhood and don't project your shit on other people.
0: Exactly, No, and it's a really good example and it shows exactly um, what I often have to you know, work through with people. It's great because you know what it is, you know it comes from somewhere, you understand, but you understand that it's your issue and that you can decide if you're going to have a temper tantrum as an adult and affect others with how you're feeling and with your past and have a, a horrible time where you maybe got attention, but it's not really the attention you, you want to have. Or if you want to do what you did and say, okay, fine, that's why I'm feeling like that. It has nothing to do really with this person. So you're in charge and you can decide what to do with it. And responsibility is a big word and taking accountability. And with, with fatherless daughters, um, I, I really talk more about them because I don't really work a lot with fatherless sons. So I know more on, on our side. But what you see a lot is ladies who, just like I did, repeat the pattern, end up divorced or being a single mom or whatever. And they still, a part of themselves still is that little girl who didn't get enough attention, validation, love, who was, you know, dad just made a different decision and now he doesn't show up. Well, he promised you he would, he doesn't. So, And they end up not only projecting all that stuff on other people, but they always expect a specifically special treatment from others, extra understanding from others. Yeah, you know, because I I grew up without my dad, and yeah, that's why I can't stand you talking to me that way. Please change it. So they even request special behavior from others to adjust to their problems. And I always tell them, like, the first step to really becoming responsible as the adult you that you're now it's really not stop expecting special understanding from other people. They can, of course, be your friend or your partner and say, look, I understand how you grew up, that sucked, you know, but it isn't my fault, so, so stop making me feel bad for things that I didn't cause. So accept that people don't owe you special understanding as a 30-year-old anymore, and you'll even advance faster and stop, you know, kind of being in that comfort zone where... You really want to be understood still all the time, but you refuse to really get out of the victimhood status and say, okay, that sucked, but it's not my fault. I was the child. It was his fault. And yes, if he wants to come and talk about it, I'll let him know how it made me feel. And that will be awesome. (laughs) And it will help the both of us probably if that is a possibility with my father, for example, it never was a possibility. I didn't get that. So... You know, and you advance when you make these choices and you become aware of how your problem might even be affecting every area of your life because you kind of export that (laughs) to other areas. And then the, the work is to know why am I actually doing that and what am I getting out of it? Am I really interested in perpetuating this behavior or no? Let's just do something else. I run the show after all. So I recently heard a lady from Spain saying, That she knows that we actually know everything when someone says i'm always late he knows exactly why he's late but he refuses to change it you know or why am i always attracting the bad guys why do i always look at the douchebags you actually know why you're not looking at the other guy who actually seems much nicer and safer for you but we still refuse to change the pattern so like you say and you know i give you props for that Accept it, it's there, work with it, (laughs) you know, it's okay, it's not about blame, but be happier yourself, so you don't have to make others unhappy too, to
1: Mm. be able to heal. Absolutely. And I feel like also this perspective of if you attract the wrong guys, for example, based on you know your father not being there or having all these triggers and suppressed emotions, treat it as like a lesson. Treat it as I treated this man from Costa Rica. I was like, Okay, let's go for a healing ride and let's just trigger the shit out of myself so that afterwards I don't have these emotions anymore, and then I can be a vibrational match to someone who treats me better or who doesn't reject me or who Whatever, right? So then I can really treat it as more of a, let's say, healing uh, opportunity rather than being like, oh no, again, the same person. It's like, if I shift my relationship internally to my father, my relationships externally are going to shift as well.
0: Exactly. And to that, I only can say, I mean, um, if any girls, you know, fatherless daughters are listening, you can have a father who actually knows he had a responsibility who like you say even feels guilty about it you know and that is all a process and you can you can rebond with your father but um you know sometimes uh life might just not give you that opportunity and your father might be somebody who just refuses to take any responsibility doesn't hold himself accountable for anything blames all the circumstances but he was actually just the victim of the whole thing or you know So maybe your father will never apologize to you or never say, look, I made the choices that hurt you very much and left you in a disadvantaged position. I'm sorry. Some fathers will never do that. So this is also something I would like to give to people before we we wrap this up. Um, It's been amazing, actually. Um, Never make yourself unhappy or keep yourself from advancing and having what you want in life. Just because you're waiting for an apology that might never come. And this mm. is something I need—I needed, I, I had to learn and come to terms with. He would never be willing or able to say, yes, Yana, I was the adult. I should have known better. And it's true. Your mother never alienated you from me. I could always come when I wanted to. I was always welcome. I just chose not to for whatever reason. And yes, it is wrong and it hurt you a lot and Let's say what I can do to do something better now. So sometimes you won't get that. And if that happens, don't feel that you are the one now who's forced to forgive that parent. Maybe you can't and that's fine. If it doesn't come naturally, you don't have to call necessarily and say, you, you, you know, people do that. Like you have to forgive him. Call him now and say, I forgive you. What is that going to do if maybe your parent doesn't really understand he did anything wrong? If it helps you, do it by all means. If it can help you both, do it. But sometimes it is already a big progress to live your life without feeling angry all the time, anxious all the time, without blaming your father all the time. That is Mm -hmm. already sometimes the most you can do to say, okay, I'm over it. I don't expect anything anymore. Um, He apparently didn't know what else to do, but it is his problem it isn't Mm. my guilt, I don't need to be ashamed of it, it's fine, but don't feel forced to say certain words, to make certain moves, or to say, I forgive you, if part of you is still not able to do that, that is just fine.
1: Mm, Absolutely, and I feel like to that, I just want to add that forgiveness to me is a byproduct of releasing emotions that don't Let you forgive. So, if you still have any resentment, anger, sadness, just let yourself feel this because you can't just force forgiveness. And I feel like I've done so many processes, including doing San Pedro in Costa Rica or, you know, like healing all the father wounds and even having my father's face in front of me and just my consciousness saying, I forgive you, I forgive you. And all these layers of emotions would come up. And I still feel like maybe there is a percentage of like lack of forgiveness within me because there might be still some emotions. So, I feel like it's a process as well that a healing journey. we are embarking on we don't have to be fully healed or we don't have to fully forgive but we can just do our best to uh, be happy (laughs) unconditionally no matter if we get this this apology from our father or not
0: exactly it doesn't need to condition you and to all the counselors out there i will say i mean i have heard this from clients of mine like oh my counselor kept telling me i needed to forgive because that would free me But I somehow couldn't do it. And then I felt blamed because somehow Mm. I'm not doing the right thing. So suddenly I have a problem for my father not raising me. You know, and I always tell people that is a dangerous path to, you know, to to go on. You don't need to force yourself to do anything. Mm. If you really feel it's not going to help right now, it's only going to increase tension. And what you need is to to focus on the positive things that you can do. And later on, I'm sure it might come naturally and you mm-hmm. say, okay, you know what? I feel like I can totally let go and forgive now. It's fine, whether he understands it or not. And I mean, you, you would be surprised about how people understand forgiveness around the world. I mean, I recently was invited to a um, show that is on YouTube. I don't know if people know about it. It's called The Fallen State with Jesse Lee Peterson. I find the guy absolutely hilarious. And um, I was roasted quite a bit in the comment section because people kept saying, she needs to forgive. And so that's how really many people focus on these issues. Like forgiveness is gonna be solving so many things. It's gonna set you free. It's gonna help the other person. Actually, I've seen in my experience, that's not really true. I mean, two and two isn't always four. (laughs) when it comes to to emotions and father daughter relationships and the dynamics that um that have been yeah shaping that relationship so you don't have to be perfect you don't need to solve it all in one run in one exercise um some stuff is going to take time and that's fine
1: Mm, absolutely thank you so much for sharing all that i feel like we could talk even more even longer because we have a lot to share on this topic (laughs) but we gotta wrap it up so let me ask you one last little question if people really loved everything you shared and they would like to dive deeper with you what's the best way to find you
0: um one of the best ways to find me is my website www.janaherde.com um it's spelled with a j jana and my last name is h-e-r-d-e you can find it there um there you can do everything get the pdf files for my book book a consultation so i can see your situation and see how i could help or if i cannot help um you can also go on instagram i am yana coaching on instagram and there you see daily content that um i share about friendly alienation about father-daughter relationships about everything pretty much that i touch on um on a daily basis and I'm also on LinkedIn and other social media networks, but um, I think these two are primarily the ones where I can get a, you can get a hold on me quite quick.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much, Jana. It's been such an incredible conversation. I'm so grateful thank that you agreed to be on this podcast and talk about these vulnerable and intimate things, uh, really. So thank you so much. Massive gratitude to you.
0: Thank you also for inviting me and for your patience because I had to reschedule a few times. It's been crazy (laughs) lately. But it was meant to happen. So I I, I didn't fight it. I said, I just need to be there. Let's find the day. So thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Thank you.